Well, as you can see, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper uh, this morning. And uh, we celebrate an open uh, communion here at, at Colonial Heights Baptist. That means if you're a, a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've put your faith, your trust, your confidence in the blood and body of Jesus, uh, then you are more than welcome to join us in this communion. If this is your first time here, kind of tell you what we're going to do so you'll know how this will go. When I, when I get near the end of the sermon, I'll have the, the deacons come and they'll hand out the elements, make sure that everybody gets one and you'll get a cup and in the cup we'll have both the, uh, the juice and the wafer. We got these really cool cups that hold both and keep one dry. So uh, you, you'll get both in one passing and if you'll just hold on to that and then at the appropriate time in the service, I will uh, lead us in, in taking each of those elements. And then when you're done, now this is the tricky part, okay, everybody hang with me. When you're done, on the chair in front of you, down at the bottom, there's a grate. In the right-hand corner of that grate, you'll see a circle. You got it eyed? Okay, that circle, believe it or not, is for that cup. That's the only thing that circle is for. Might be for a crayon, but that'd be a big crayon, wouldn't it? That, that little circle. So if you could aim toward that circle when we're done to put that cup, if you drop it or if you put it in any of the slats, it'll, it'll fall right through, I promise. We've had a lot of scientific research on that. So if you'll aim toward the circle, uh, that's where it'll go. Well, boy, can you believe we're at the end of Thanksgiving week? I don't know about y'all. I was, with all the announcements we make about Thanksgiving and Christmas, you'd think I'd have that pretty ingrained in me, but was pulling onto the boulevard today to head, come, turn left to come to church, and I was thinking, oh man, Thanksgiving's over. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really, it's Christmas now is upon us. I hope you've had a good week, though. I hope you've had a good opportunity alone to give thanks to the Lord and to think about His good things in your life. I hope you've had uh, opportunities with, with others to pause and to give thanks. It's good to enjoy, isn't it? Man, there, there's just so much to enjoy in life. And we need to think through that. We need to think about all that we enjoy. Man, I enjoy my wife. I mean, she's beautiful. She's fun. She's soft. I like the way God made her. God was good in that. You know, I, I, I enjoy my job. I, I enjoy that. I imagine a lot of you do. I mean, I enjoy my work. I feel God's favor and blessing on that. I enjoy a good steak. I do not enjoy turkey. That's another story, and I won't go into it right now because uh, I'm still not feeling very good about that. I have found a great way, though, to enjoy all of the Thanksgiving feast and not, not gain a single pound, praise God. Uh, but I, I enjoy a good steak. You know, I enjoy the mountains. I think most of you all know that. And man, if you put a stream... A river through those mountains, now you're talking about heaven. It just, it just doesn't get a whole lot better than that right there. I enjoy this season. Christmas is my, my favorite time of year. I enjoy my kids. You know, I, I just enjoy watching them do what they do. I just enjoy watching them, them live and grow. And, and, and when they're enjoying things I've provided, that makes it even all the more fun. What, whether it's Simple things like clothing or a, or a vacation or an event. Or, or maybe we've had a nice meal out together. Man, when they're having fun and when they're enjoying life, enjoying the moment, I enjoy that, don't you? I, I don't think that's unique to me as a mom or as a dad. And what is true of us as parents, guess what, guys? It's true of God the Father, too. He enjoys watching us have fun. 
He enjoys watching us enjoy life and enjoy the things that he has provided for us. Folks, I am under the firm belief that when you and I are are gathered around as family and friends enjoying good food, hooting and hollering at the TV in a good football game, God enjoys watching that. God enjoys watching us do that. Do you know sometimes we in the church, we've kind of been a little guilty of taking the fun out of life, haven't we? It's certainly the view the world has of us. You know, talking about dieting, if it tastes good, spit it out. Well, the motto in the church is, if you're having fun, stop it. Man, where, where do we get that? Why is that that we've got this idea that, that pleasure and fun almost don't really go together with the name and the word God? I like what a, a, a great Anglican theologian, J.I. Packer, had to say. Look at this quote here on the screen. Listen to this. Pleasure... Pleasure is divinely designed to raise our sense of God's goodness, deepen our gratitude to Him, and strengthen our hope of richer pleasures to come in the next world. Folks, pleasure belongs to God. And God gives pleasure. He gives pleasure to us to enjoy. Think about it. Food does not have to taste good to give us nutrients. It doesn't have to taste good to sustain us, but it does. Sex does not have to feel so wonderful and be so good to procreate and populate a planet, but it does. Folks, it doesn't have to be so peaceful and so enjoyable to to take in a mountain range or a sunset or an ocean or, or nice art, but it does. Why? Because God made us that way. He gave us taste buds and He gave us eyes and feelings and emotions and all kinds of things that just burst into life. That that come to life when we're enjoying and, and celebrating life. God made us that way. Now I know, I, I, I say, why do we do this? I know why we take all the fun out of things. I mean, we do, if you stop and think about it, we do have a lot of verses in the Bible that warn us, that encourage us, hey, watch out for the pleasures of the world. So we take that word pleasure, ah, pleasure, that's the opposite of God. So we're, we're to watch out for the pleasures of the world and the desires of the world and, and not be given to these things. And, and so because we love God and because we want to faithfully follow God, boy, if it's pleasure, if it's fun, it's, you know, we, we got we to gotta be careful of that. And you know what we do? We go from one extreme to the other. We're horribly unbalanced. Do you know that? We just like a pendulum. We swing from one way to the, to the next. One way we swing is to take God-given good things and pleasures. And we go too far, don't we? Man, God gives us taste buds to enjoy food. We turn it into gluttony. God gives us sex to enjoy something so unique and so special with just one other person on the planet. And we turn it into a perversion. God gives us things we can create and we can build. God gives us the ability to have a sense of rule and a sense of accomplishment. And we turn it into idolatry. We turn it into pride and we turn it into arrogance. And and so as you and I are following God and we're growing in His Word, we become aware of this. We we become aware of the extremes that we've gone with, with God's good things. And so what do we do? We swing over here to the other extreme. If you're having fun, stop! 
And we separate the idea of pleasure and God. Folks, it is God that gives us pleasure. It's sin that messed it up. It's sin that messed it up. You see, sin... See, Satan has tried to kidnap that word. And he said, no, I'm, I'm pleasure in me is pleasure. But folks, while sin offers us that pleasure, lures us with that pleasure, it's only to bring us to death. Now death is, that's like the opposite of pleasure, isn't it? That's like the opposite of a, of a good time and, and having a lot of fun together. I want to look at a passage today. It's Romans chapter 5, 12 to 21. You may want to turn there. Now, Romans chapter 5, 12 to 21. And and when we read this passage, you're not going to see the word pleasure in it. You're you're not going to see any concept of of pleasure or enjoying good things or or being thankful or or any of these kinds of things that I've been talking about. What we're going to find in this passage is why we don't enjoy pleasure. Why we don't enjoy the good things. How we got to this place that, that everything got messed up. So let, let's look at that now. You kind of got stuck up here, didn't you? Mm-hmm. I'm okay. <laughs> You're okay. Don't fall asleep. Everybody's watching, man. <laughs> it's just you and me, Ronnie. <laughs> Romans chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got one in that grate that holds the cup, right? <laughs> we've got, got one there in front of you. I hope you'll gra- grab it and read along. Uh, Romans 5, beginning in verse 12. I'm reading from the New Living Translation today. Romans 5, verse 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the entire human race. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. and And though there was no law to break since it had not yet been given, they all died anyway. Even though, they did not, even though they did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. What a contrast between Adam and Christ who is yet to come. And what a difference between our sin and God's generous gift of forgiveness. For this one man, Adam, brought death to many through his sin. But this other man, Jesus Christ, brought forgiveness to many through God's bountiful gift. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of the one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but we have the free gift of being accepted by God even though we are guilty of many sins. The sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over us. But all who receive God's wonderful, gracious gift of righteousness will live in triumph over sin and death Through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brought condemnation upon everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness makes all people right in God's sight and gives them life. Because one person disobeyed God, many people became sinners. But because one person obeyed God, many people will be made right in God's sight. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful kindness became abundant. Boy, isn't that good news? No matter how much sin we have, God has the grace to cover it. God has more grace than we have sin. Verse 21, so just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful kindness rules instead. 
giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now folks, did you notice in the passage right from the very beginning what brought death into the world? It wasn't God. Sin. Sin is what brought death into the world. As I just said, death's kind of the opposite of having a good time, isn't it? It it, it wasn't God who brought that, it was sin. God brought life. And, And Jesus says not only eternal life, not only life now, not only life in eternity, but all of it together, abundant life. What is life, folks? What is abundant life? It's full life. It's meaningful life. It's celebratory life. It's experiencing and enjoying life. Listen, God and godliness is not the killjoy. It's sin. Sin is the killjoy to life. How smart Satan is. He knew God created us to experience and to enjoy pleasure, maybe even at times to be driven by the pursuit of pleasure. And so he uses that pleasure as a lure to draw us, not to better pleasure. Satan isn't in a competition with God to see who can offer you the most, to see who can offer you the best pleasure. Satan uses that to lure you to death. God created the world. You know the story made everything that there is and gave every bit of it, all good stuff to Adam and Eve. Plentiful stuff, bountiful stuff, beautiful stuff. Said it's here, it's all yours to enjoy, to live, to rule over, to enjoy together in intimate fellowship with each other, in intimate fellowship with me. It's, it's, it's all yours, except what? One tree. Now that tree wasn't there to, to tempt Adam. The tree was not there, put there by God to to see if he could make Adam trip. The tree was there as a place of expressing loyalty. As a place of expressing faith. As a place of expressing obedience. We talk about what a parent enjoys watching in their children. Doesn't a parent enjoy watching their kids of their own free will choose to obey? choose to trust hey goodness is in mom and dad life is in mom and dad life is in the way mom and dad have have called me to live and when they choose that and when they trust that doesn't that bring you pleasure and it's it's the same with god when when we choose to obey choose to trust choose to believe that goodness is in god alone ah but satan used that tree He used that tree to make Adam think that there was a goodness that could be found outside of God. Oh, Adam, I know know God's given you the whole planet. But the prize, oh, the prize is in that tree. And Adam fell for it. He thought that, that perhaps God had held out on him. He thought that there was a goodness outside of God. You know, one difference between Adam and you and me, I think quite often when you and I sin, we sin because we're missing something, aren't we? We're hurting, we're feeling pain, we're feeling a lack, and in that pain, in that lack, in that hurt, we act inappropriately we respond we seek to resolve that in an inappropriate way but when Adam made that choice do you realize there was no pain 
There was no lack. He lived in a perfect relationship with God. He lived in a perfect relationship with his wife. He lived in a perfect relationship with his world. There was no lack. Everything was abundant and good. He just simply chose to believe that there was goodness outside of God. And it was in the pursuit of that goodness that he introduced sin into the world. And it's sin. Again, it's not God. It's not God's laws. It's not godliness. It's sin that brought shame and guilt and fear and hiding and blaming and sweat and weeds. God didn't bring this into our world. Our sin, our pursuit of a goodness outside of God is what brought this into our world. And with Adam's choice, we were doomed to follow in his steps. You say, well, that's not fair. I wouldn't have chosen that. Oh, folks, every time we sin, we're voting for Adam, aren't we? Every time we sin, we're saying, man, I'm with you, Adam. I, too, believe there's a goodness outside of God. I, too, believe that the best thing that can happen in this moment is to rebel against God and His ways. That's where goodness will be found. That's where pleasure will be found. That's where the life I need and want will be found is in opposition to God. And guess what? We get the exact same results from it that Adam got. A death-like existence. Not pleasure, but grief. Not life, but death. Now, our passage sets up an interesting similarity and contrast between Adam and Jesus. They're similar in that they are both, when they were tempted with sin, they were unpolluted by it. When you and I are tempted with sin, we got the stain all over us that keeps leading us that direction. But when Adam was first tempted and when Jesus was tempted, they were unpolluted by sin. There was no sin in their life. They're also similar in that they both act as human representatives. When Adam stood before that tree and made that choice to find goodness outside of God, he was acting as a representative of all of us. When Jesus hung on that tree to pay the penalty of you and I seeking goodness outside of God, he acted as a representative on behalf of all of us. Jesus brought life and justification. Adam brought condemnation. Very different impact on humanity. They were very similar in acting as human representatives, but very different in how they brought, in the different impacts that they brought on humanity. One bringing death, the other bringing life. One bringing condemnation, the other bringing justification. Which impact is still reigning in your life? Did you see the word there in Romans 5? There is a reign, there is a rule in our life. Which one's ruling and reigning in your life right now? You know, I asked that question almost as if you could be standing in a neutral spot. You, you, you could come to a neutral intersection and then you're making some kind of choice. Well, I'm going to choose the way of Adam or I'm going to choose the way of Christ. Why the question implies that that would be wrong. You and I are not choosing the way of Adam. We're born into that. That's what Romans 5 says. I'm, I'm born with this. I am born in the way of Adam. I am born condemned. I am born with death. My ability to purely enjoy the pleasures of God is already tainted because of sin. 
My, my desire to find goodness outside of God is, is already there. So we're born with that rule in our life. But because of the grace and kindness of God, we have an opportunity to escape it, don't we? We have an opportunity to leave that influence and turn to the impact of Christ and His work on the cross. Folks, sin will lead you to death every single time. The death of that moment, the death of goodness, the death of pleasure and joy, and ultimately the death of physical life and spiritual life. Christ will lead you to the kindness of God, the grace, the goodness, the, can I say, the fun of God? But, but for Christ to do that, it costs, didn't it? Because God does love you. Man, God wants you to enjoy pleasure, but because of the choices that you and I've made, there's a cost. Because while He's a loving God, He's a just God. When He's being loving, He doesn't set aside or ignore His justice. The wrong we've done has to be dealt with. And that's why Christ went to that tree. That's why He hung on that tree to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin so that we could be restored to life. What's life? Experiencing, enjoying, celebrating, living with and for and to God. But to be restored to that, it cost. It cost His body. His body was broken to pay the penalty of your sin and my sin. His blood was spilled to, to wash away the stain and the power of that sin on our lives. Man, how appropriate that as we pause and think, and see if you can make this connection with me, as we pause and think this week about the things we enjoy, the things we're thankful for, from a relationship to a marriage to a job to, to just different things we have in life, enjoy in life, different experiences we've had this past year, different places we've gone, and, and, and we give thanks to all this, you realize the source of all pleasure, the source of every gift, the source of all good is God. And our ability to truly, fully enjoy these things is only in the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because it's that blood that restores us to a relationship with Him. And in that relationship, we can purely enjoy. We can have the most joy and the most pleasure. And so when we're giving thanks... And how, do you, how do you really give thanks for anything beyond God? Everything I have is from God... If I'm really thankful, I'm thankful for Him. Everything else is just a byproduct. Everything else is just a byproduct of knowing and relating with God. And so how appropriate that, that we celebrate the Lord's table this Thanksgiving weekend as we've thought of all these things, and I hope you did, that we're thankful for. We come to the table and we're thankful for that which makes it all possible. And as we come to give thanks, how appropriate that in giving thanks we pause and we also enter a time of confession and repentance. Now, confession and repentance, that doesn't sound a lot like pleasure and fun, does it? No, it's sin that messes up pleasure and fun. And while many of us have chosen to place our faith and trust in Christ, we, we still trip, don't we? We still think, you know what, I can create goodness my way. I can find goodness outside of God. And so how do I come to this table and think about what He's done for me, enjoy what He's done for me, give thanks for what He's done for me, while I'm still holding on to that which is in opposition to Him? 
while I'm still living in ways that say, I still think there's goodness outside of you. And so we want to take a moment that, that as we're preparing to celebrate and give thanks, that we pause and we confess. And we repent. Our deacons will begin handing the elements out in a moment. And as they do, there'll be a few moments of, of stillness and quietness. That's a, that's a time for you to begin this process of confession and repentance. Very simply to say, hey God, what's between me and you? Hey God, where am I looking for life and how to handle life and enjoy life outside of you? Where am I believing that goodness and, and what I need is outside of you? Would you show me those things? So that I can confess that and acknowledge that as sin and begin praying to your Holy Spirit about the power to genuinely and truly repent of that. I, I said we're going to give you a few moments. It won't be enough moments. I, I don't think we've ever had a Lord's Supper that gives us enough moments to do that. But what I always pray for myself, what I pray for you before I even enter this room is, is God, what we start in these two or three minutes, may it go on all day long. May we just be mindful of how good you are in all the places we're almost trying to throw that goodness away. All the places we're trying to ruin that goodness again by the choice of sin. And, and may, may this whole day end up being about confession and repentance. And not so that we walk around all beaten down and, and frustrated and guilt, but so that we have our best opportunity to enjoy God. Our best opportunity to give thanks. Amen. I'll tell you the a sin the Lord really convicted me of and showed me of is all around this issue of goodness. And God was showing me how much good He had given me. And there's you know there's there's two types of good. There's the good you receive and the good that you enjoy. And then there's the good that you do. It feels good to do good, doesn't it? Don't you, don't you feel good about life and yourself when you, when you know you've made a situation better, you've blessed a situation? So there's a, there's a good we receive and there's a, a good we give. Both are equally good in our lives. And I saw recently how much good God had given me to receive and enjoy and how much good God had given me to do and I was wasting it. I was wasting it because I was stuck in pouting. Stuck in, in selfishness and self-centeredness. And, and then I saw that that, that that good I could have enjoyed both in receiving and in doing was gone. It was wasted. I, it, I, don't, I don't get that again. It's over. What a sin. What an awful thing when God wants to give so much... And bless so much. And we waste it. We throw it away. Because we choose. We think no goodness lies in my pouting. Goodness lies in me getting even. Goodness lies in me getting needs met in other ways. Goodness lies in me just being a self-centered person. And you know, the older you get, you start to all of a sudden go, wait a minute, I don't, I don't want to keep wasting a lot of this goodness because it gets gone and it doesn't come back around. I don't know about y'all, I'm really in need of the body and blood of Christ. I'm in need of that restoration that only 
that only Jesus can give. Would you listen to these words one more time? And what a difference between our sin and God's generous gift of forgiveness. For this one man, Adam, brought death to many through his sin, but this other man, Jesus, brought forgiveness to many through God's bountiful gift. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of the one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But we have the free gift of being accepted by God even though we are guilty of many sins. The sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over us. But all who receive God's wonderful, gracious gift of righteousness will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Listen to this one last verse. Yes, Adam's one sin brought condemnation upon everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness makes all people right in God's sight and gives them life. Folks, what you hold in your hands right now is what represents the cost of what it took for you to be made right and to have life. What it took for you to be made right and to enjoy life. Jesus said, this is my body. It's been broken for you. Take and eat. Jesus said, this is my blood. It's the sign of a new covenant. New contract, a new agreement where God will unconditionally love, unconditionally forgive, adopt us as His very own children. It's the blood of Christ that makes that possible. It's the goodness of God, not our goodness, that makes that possible. Jesus said, take and drink. Let's pray. Father, I'm sorry. We're sorry. For all the places we miss your goodness, we waste your goodness, we throw away your goodness because we're stuck in trying to create our own goodness. We think we've got a better way, a better design, a better plan. We're born this way. Lord, we're not good. But in You we can be. In You we can be good. In You we can enjoy good. And in You we can have good. And do good. Because of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, may this be a week where we see Your goodness everywhere. We, we see the things that, that we can enjoy and have fun and have pleasure with. And we see the things that we can do good and bless and, and serve. And God, may we not waste a single one of those things because we're letting sin mess it up. Holy Spirit, we really need your help in this. We need you to open our eyes. We need you to make our, our spirits sensitive. We need you to help, help us conquer that selfish nature. So that we can enjoy the good and do the good. We ask this, name, ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.